Mr. Speaker. Yes, it's time to get political because politics never stops. It, it just keeps on rolling. It's the juggernaut. It's uh, quite annoying, actually, to be honest, sometimes. Uh, but it has to happen, you know. Without the, without politics, we wouldn't have a rule of law. We wouldn't have the society that we have today. The fucked, fucked up mess <laughs> that we're all in, let's be honest. Uh, all right, Morena, to you, John, and to you, Phil. How are Morena? we today? Morena, I'm pretty good. Bloody marvellous. But just point I didn't get my knighthood, but... Uh, Yes. Hoping next time. <laughs> yeah. Hey, look, I, 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 New Year's isn't that far away. True. You know. True. Twice, because twice a year, of course, uh, we have the Queen's honours. Uh, so we had the birthday. God bless you. Yeah. Yes. God bless. You. We had the birthday honours. Uh, it's not even her birthday. No, fake what? news. Yeah, exactly. Fake what? news. Yeah, up to You know, when when Charles becomes king, um, will you'll uh, keep the same day, right? Oh, I don't know. Oh, I think so. Yeah, and it just mm. becomes the king's birthday. Yeah, they'll have to keep the same day. Because, yeah. you know, I mean, we don't have another holiday. Imagine if they put it around where all the other holidays are and we didn't have this one in the mm. middle of the yeah. wilderness. Because we don't have another one until Labor Day. Um, right, anyway, let's get into it. Um, what and why, John? Here's the what and why. I never asked what and why. Here's what and why. Yeah, why? so I, I googled on uh, Wikipedia what the what exactly the New Zealand Royal Honours System is. And it's... um. So it comes from the British honours system, mm. which has been going for centuries, but New Zealand has its own unique system now. I, I, um, you can probably remember back when there were some relatively major reforms mm. uh, carried out by the Helen Clark Labour government where they, they got rid of knighthoods, essentially. Yes. Uh, but they, they were brought back under the previous national government John, and people yes. who... Uh, Sir John. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, uh, <laughs> and so we've we've got the old system where you ha- have knights and dames again. Mm, yes, that's yeah. right. That's right. Um, exciting. Um, right. I mean, who were the? There were some real standouts, and who were some of the standout recipients this year? Yeah. Well, I think uh, I think when we look at these uh, standouts, um, I, I think we have to say this was a relatively radical Queen's birthday honours. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, representative, I guess, of a new zeitgeist out there. So it's not just the usual old boring politicians and uh, uh, top-level civil servants, but uh, at the top of the list we have the top twins. Uh, yes. So now uh, Dame Julie Top and Dame uh, Linda Top, yes. uh, who have been uh, long-time entertainers and also very active in the LGBT uh, movement. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we have we do have some old politicians, so we have Bill English, and that's pretty standard that well, any previous prime minister is given the option. Shouldn't you have to be voted in to get it? <laughs> like, to be honest, shouldn't you have to actually uh, be voted in by the people to get it? I mean, well, I guess you could argue that yeah, the people don't uh, directly vote hmm. in the prime minister in New Zealand because well, well, decided by the caucus. Will Winston get it the f- for being acting prime minister? Oh, I. I mean, basically, it's a it's a deal between Labour and National that when National comes into government, they reward you know retired Labour pol- senior Labour politicians, and Labour does the same for National. Mm. What I what I don't lo- well, I don't like the whole thing anyway. I think it should be abolished. But in relation to the politicians, 
Okay, so Bill English, he was in Parliament for nearly 30 years, 28 years, whatever. Mm -hmm. Did he not get paid? Was he doing voluntary work? Mm. So somebody gets extremely well paid, you know, they show up to work on the days that they're supposed to show up to Parliament, and then they get an honour for services to to politics. Yeah. How, how, how was that? Yeah, because they're not. They're just doing a job, right? They're, yeah. So why doesn't everybody who shows up to work and get paid, most of us, or most people, I don't get paid at all, but most people who show up to work don't, don't get honours on top of being paid. No. The um, people that clean the public toilets who do an extremely useful public service, they don't get an honours reward on 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 top of that i mean half a million dollars a year he would have got as prime minister or well, close to it and perks mm. hundreds of thousands of dollars as deputy prime minister for eight years hundreds of thousands of dollars as a cabinet minister and as a senior mm. you know deputy as deputy leader of the national party or, or, and he'll get perks until the day he and dies. Gets perks until, until the day he dies mm. So, yeah, I, I think this, uh, the Queen's honour system can very much be seen as members of the establishment patting each other on the back. But yes. it's interesting, with this uh, list, uh, I think Labour can be seen as making a deliberate effort to, to pull uh, the honours away from their image of being just a, a system for the, the old boys. Well, the, yeah, the top of the list. Because, I mean, some of the people they got, like, you look at the, like you see the top twins. Mm. Uh, and Catherine Healy, and, yeah, of course. Catherine Healy. Usually they will get the Queen's Services Medal mm. or something further down the list. But they're, yeah. they're at the top mm. echelon. So symbolically, at least, Labour's trying to, I guess, give a different message with the people that hits put at the top of this list, people who might be seen as a, a bit radical, uh, outside the norm, and not part of the traditional establishment. So um, I think that's a sign where Labour, in some symbolic uh, areas, Labour is trying to present itself as radical, in mm -hmm. touch with that new zeitgeist, a, a transformative government, so to say. In other areas, arguably, it's, it's stepping back, especially in uh, economic areas. It's, it's certainly not pushing the, the type of radical transformation that it was that it was promising or hinting at before the election. So we, we look at Catherine's one, which Catherine, yeah, um, mm. she started the Prostitutes Collective um, and uh, she, you know, fighting to get um, prostitution legalised in New Zealand, which she and others did. Mm, a uh, huge achievement. Yeah, a massive mm. achievement. Uh, incredible. Um, and, and a model for other countries throughout the world. Yes, that's right. That this it's is a um, prostitution reform that has worked. I can imagine, like, I mean, uh, one, one would imagine that the Queen doesn't tick off on these things. It must be the Governor-General, because if that came across the Queen's desk. One, one would have thought that maybe she would have been like, oh, I don't know. One would think that one might. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, might get Charles excited. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. Well, so, 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 yeah. So it must be. Um, but, and, and the other thing, I mean, it must be the Governor Generals of every country because, you know, this goes on around the Commonwealth. Uh, the mm. Queen doesn't have time to go through 100 people on the list and decide who, no. what, when, how, and why. Um, what I really want to know, though, in this day and age, uh, in a capitalist society, we're not. Uh, this is not a feudalism government. So, mm. what are the, you know? What do we expect of our knights and our dames? Do we send them on crusade? 
Uh, what, what perhaps actually, we should. Perhaps, <laughs> perhaps we should. Or at least, at least a serious joust. No, not a crusade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't want them invading other people's countries. Yeah. But maybe, a, maybe a, a full-on joust. I mean, are there expectations <laughs> on nights? Oh, I, I expect to see some serious joust. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly. <laughs> I would love to see Bill up there yeah. going against like Sue. Buddy uh, Buck Shalford or something. I don't know if he's <laughs> yeah. a sir. He might be. Um, he should be. Being uh, unseated. Yeah, yeah. But um, are, are there expectations other than, you know, what comes with the title? Do you have. I guess you're meant to sort of keep yourself in good standing, not break the law. So there was. A, who was the former National Party cabinet minister who. It was knighted and then was involved in some fraudulent activity. Oh, Doug Graham. Y- yes, yes. So did I think he, did he end up getting stripped, did he? No, he didn't. But there were definitely uh, there was a lot of debate at the time yeah. whether he should have his yeah. knighthood. Stripped. I think Rolf Harris was a knight and he got stripped. Right. Stripped. Yes. Yeah, and uh, Jimmy Savile might have been stripped uh, posthumously as well. Yes. Um, so I'm not sure on the mechanisms, but I guess um, at the end of the day, government. Oh, is that what it anything. is? I don't know, post something. Posthumous. Humus. Oh, there you yeah. go. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it is pretty. It's not funny. But the uh, whole thing. I mean, it's it's it, it, it's um, ostensibly based on merit. <laughs> Uh, it, it's not. It's not like hereditary titles. Of no. The past. No. Uh, Do you get which New Zealand has it, never had? <laughs> no. I want to allowed to eat the the <laughs> Queen's goose. You know, because she has all the geese over over there. I wonder if they're allowed to go. And just oh, pluck. she owns them, doesn't she? Yeah. I wonder yes. if they're just allowed to go pluck a geese and maybe go and catch a whale because she owns them too. Um, yeah. I wonder if it gives them anything. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, anyway, let's move on from that. Um, congratulations. Yeah, it is It is a real change. And congratulations to those um, that would usually, like we said, probably get a lower honour. Mm. Um, it's great to see them recognised uh, for the, the work they have done in the community. Like you said, the top twins have been absolutely outstanding for LGBTQI plus uh, rights for, for many, many years. Mm. Uh, and, um, and although I'm not a big fan of the honours system, like, you know, I have similar opinions to Phil, um, you know, the, these people, some of these people are definitely worthy of being oh, honoured cel- in some form. Yeah, celebrate yeah. them, indeed. indeed. Yeah. Um, let's move on to uh, labour law reforms. The coalition government has uh, outlined plans to change part of New Zealand's workplace relations. Uh, a working group has been formed, headed by Jim Bulger, the man who did so much for industrial relations <laughs> in the early 90s, including uh, ripping the heart out of unions uh, with the Employment Contracts Act in 1991. Um, so who else would you... <laughs> put at the top of to to form a, um you know put at the top of a working group. Who else would the Labour government choose? But uh, Sir Jim Bolger is he a Sir? Did he accept this knighthood? No, I don't he, think he, he did. he's actually a Republican, from what I understand. So he no, he didn't accept his knighthood. Mm, I wonder if uh, mm. what will happen with Jacinta when she finishes because she's also a Republican. So yeah, that'll be interesting to see. Mm, yeah. mm. But anyway, um, I'll go to you first, Phil, on this. Um, you know, I mean. I just want your thoughts, really, to be honest. I'm not going to ask a question. What What are your thoughts? Well, I think there are two things about him being um, heading up the whole thing. One is that it is quite a clever move on the part of Labour. It was like when they appointed her, when um, Jim Anderton got um, Bolger to agree to be the head of Kiwi Bank. Mm. You know, it disarmed yeah. or made it a lot more difficult for National to attack it. Yeah. Um, but the other thing I think about uh, is that if you've um, listened to the interviews with former Prime Ministers um, by a guy on Espina in his interview with 
Bolger and things that Bolger's been saying in recent years and in the book The Ninth yes. Floor. Yeah. You know, and Bolger's made it pretty clear that he thinks things went too far yeah. in terms of shifting the balance between workers and employers and employers and unions and that the the goalposts need to be shifted a bit mm. back yeah. to, to, to balance that out and that we're living in a society which he feels is too unequal. And I think that's a kind of sign of, um, not just of his rethink, but of a frame of mind that is quite powerful in New Zealand, despite the tendency of the left to bang on like you'd think that we were still pursuing some kind of mad neoliberalism. Actually, the previous national government was not neoliberal at all. Nothing that they did was was neoliberal. And this government isn't either, and the, and the Clark government wasn't either. So they didn't get rid of all the reforms, but they certainly moved away from them. Mm-hmm. And I think the dominant feeling in kind of what you might call upper class circles and business circles in New Zealand is you know, neoliberalism doesn't really work. We haven't got mm, one of the most no. dynamic economies in the world. We've got a much more unfairer society, and that brings all kinds of problems with it, including problems that actually cost a lot of money. And so there's a move now to, to kind of shift things back. It's very managerial. It's not one oh. that's going to empower workers. It will empower well-paid, fairly industrially conservative union officials and employers and the state and all kinds of new mediation um, stuff and yeah, Bulger's the ideal person to to head that disarms national at the same time as someone who does genuinely want to move things back mm. some way well, not, all, not, all, not back to where not even back to where they were 40 or 50 years ago but maybe to where they were before partly before the Employment Contracts Act. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it goes to show that um, really Ruth and Roger before her were really pulling the pulling the strings yeah. at the time, really, yeah. you know, um, and, and maybe Bolger didn't want to go that far in the first place, just like David did in before him. Well, Bolger called for... Bolger had a cuppa, just like Longy. I mean, Bolger sacked Shipley and Richardson. Mm. That era was quite short. I mean, you're talking mm. about... N- 84 to 93, yeah. six years under Labour, and it was really only the first term of, of of National before, you know, Bulger started moving away from that fairly quickly. Although, I mean, they did so much in those three years. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, the, the, program, the program was probably finished in three years anyway. <laughs> it, was, it was quite It was shock and awe, yeah. Um, you know, I mean, the pay... Well, I mean, what does the say in the fair pay agreement... Um, John and uh, and then we want to get on to this right to strike, I guess, during um, pay negotiations. Sure. So um, the idea, so there's a working group set up with Jim Volger as the head, uh, as you said, and uh, the idea is to come up with uh, a formula uh, for what are called fair 
pay agreements, so FPAs, uh, which will be a tripartite system uh, b- between with the government in the background and employers and uh, employee associations, unions, uh, mm-hmm. negotiating together for a, an industrial standard, if you like. So whereas yeah. at the moment, um, uh, even if a workplace is unionised, it, it's usually site by site or company by company, for example. So uh, workers, at, I think at farmers at the moment, there's a... Um, there's a um, uh, a strike happening, the department store. So uh, the union, I think it's Unite in that case, has to yeah. negotiate directly with farmers under a fair pay agreement. Uh, unions representing uh, workers in, say, department stores throughout the country under different um, management, under different companies, uh, will come to a understanding of a... Um, an agreement for all workers, covering all workers. Mm-hmm. So um, that's basically the idea. Um, yeah. And um, as Phil said, it, it, it's definitely going to favour more conservative unions, such as uh, the PSA, um, NCDI, PPTA, um, and um, ETU. Um, so th- those unions that uh, yeah have large numbers but don't traditionally uh, go on strike and engage in uh, sort of militant industrial action, th- this will s- certainly suit the the top level bureaucrats in those unions. It will mm. give them a place at the table that perhaps they don't have now. Um, uh, smaller unions or more militant unions, such as uh, First Union or Unite, that are prepared to sort of use uh, militancy. Uh, and um, industrial action strikes mm-hmm. uh, will possibly lose out um, under this. And mm. one of the reasons why is because uh, under the fair, uh, fair pay agreements, you uh, if you if you sign up to them, you can't engage in industrial action. So employers can't lock out their workers, and uh, employees uh, in the form of organised labour can't go on strike. So there's, there's definite restrictions uh, that will come in place yeah. under these fair pay agreements. Yeah, that's interesting because, I mean, the only time you really strike is during paid negotiations, mm-hmm. right? So... Yeah, I mean, there's such rigid laws preventing workers from withdrawing their labour anyway. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it doesn't look like those are going to be changed very much at all. So those all remain in place. So workers can't strike over political issues. They can't withdraw their labour when they so choose. There's no freedom mm-hmm. to, to strike. There's plenty of freedom for employers to shut down workplaces and make everybody redundant, but but no real freedom for workers to strike. So that all stays in place. And the fair pay agreements, I, I, I think... You know, they will improve paying conditions for uh, workers in a number of, of industries. Mm. But the 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 um, the other side of that is that workers are much more kind of locked in to uh, rela- relationships with the state and with employers in a sort of corporatist kind of way mm-hmm. um, than what they are at present. I mean, and part of it, I guess, is that unions, for whatever reason, haven't or haven't been able to organise the massive non-unionised sector. And this is basically them, unions kind of giving up, Labor saying, well, we don't really want unions to do that, so we'll have these fair pay agreements negotiated and 
that will take care of the pay and conditions of workers in this sector, in this sector, in this sector. Mm-hmm. But workers give up their autonomy, yeah, or their and, and any chance to exercise their own power. That's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting uh, in my industry because I'm I'm in the TEU, um, mm. and uh, at the moment, I mean. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know how the structure worked for us. Will it be through, you know, we'll, we'll look at all the student unions as a whole, or will we be, will we be lumped in with with the actual education sector? Um, or the I, media? I, yeah, or no, the media. No, I don't know. I mean, the at the moment, in our, in our pay negotiations, and when we were um, w- when we had a company look at our structure and who to compare us to, because mm. we're a non-profit, they they compared mm. us to a charity organisation. Uh, which we are totally not like at all. You know, you know, it was yeah. weird. It was really weird. You know, I found that strange. But uh, that was it. Um, so I mean, so there's give and there's take. But who's who's giving more and who's taking more? Well, I guess unions, like Phil said, unions are so uh, weak at the moment, uh, especially in the private sector. You know, vast majority of workers don't belong to um, unions. That uh, this will definitely bring union leaders. Uh, to the table, whereas before in a way that they've been cut out. Will it give now? So it's definitely going to. Uh, it will empower union leaders, but that's that's different to say that will actually empower uh, workers as a whole. Will it? Will, will it give workers? Um, you know, will will give? Will it encourage them to join? Well, it's arguable because if um, if these FPAs are covering all workers in an industry and they don't have to belong to a union to be covered by those FPAs, why join a union? Yeah, uh, it, it could be a disincentive to joining a union. St- strong unions, will, when they have the power, will normally negotiate with an um, employer that that the increases in pay or conditions only cover unionised workers. Oh yeah. That that, that uh, non-unionised workers shouldn't be able to sort of uh, uh, get all the benefits without actually paying their dues and being involved. I joined the union and I got a five dollar an hour pay rise. Well, (laughs) (laughs) you know, nice. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I guess uh, um, I guess it's how those union representatives in this working group what they actually push for, but. I can't see if it's going to cover a whole industry. Then surely it's going to cover non-unionised workers, which is very problematic from the point of view of, of yeah, um, yeah, collectivised labour. Mm, mm, interesting. And um, you know, what is what is what are the business se- what's the bi- business sector saying? We're, we're well, the business sector. Uh, so, Business New Zealand, which I guess you could say is the main representative of uh, um, of corporate New Zealand. Um, they're involved in the in the working group. Uh, uh, on the face of it, they seem quite open to these fair pay agreements, while showing some concerns. So it, it, it does. It seems that um, Business New Zealand and the top corporate heads are prepared to go along and want yeah. to be part of this process. Yeah. So that's interesting, uh, which probably indicates that um, the these. Um, across the board industrial agreements when they do come into place aren't going to rock the boat too much um, and it might benefit I guess it, it, it will there, there is that problem that there's sort of that chase to the bottom in New Zealand with certain industries that uh, because of a very unregulated labour market uh, it can actually um, yeah ca- cause problems for business themselves that um, uh, that they can be undercut by businesses that um, that, that just go for cheap labour or yeah. um, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it's going to, uh, you know, I'm really happy to see there's going to be a minimum hours um, th- uh, reform in here. Um, and so, you know, I know they've been talking a lot about zero hour contracts and, and got rid of them in a lot of uh, different areas, but they still exist and they're mm. still out there. And I guess this will abolish that and a few other things as well. So Yeah, and I think it will lead to some degree to a, a redistribution of wealth, that there, uh, these agreements will lead to uh, increases in pay and conditions. And I think that's, a, that's the whole purpose of these reforms that, uh, like Phil said, um, representatives of that sort of corporate elite. And, and, and political establishment have grown increasingly concerned over the, the gross levels of inequality that are developing in, in the Western world and, and they, they sense there's real unease out there yeah. um, and so uh, institutions from the World Bank to the IMF uh, even uh, right wing magazines like The Economist uh, are no longer pushing for that sort of hard life free market agenda which the, the left wing often call neoliberalism yeah. um, and and um, although uh, I don't think there's any fear that a revolution's going to break out or uh, a mass um, political militancy is going to break out, um, I guess there's that fear that, that social ease can lead to more... Remember the youth riots in London a few yeah, years ago? Yeah, um, yeah that, that, that uh, if there's no channel for the social ease and there's no means for ordinary people to, to improve their living conditions uh, through the political process, then it, then it creates a whole lot of dangers for the ruling elite and establishment from Trump being elected. Uh, he wasn't the corporate choice in America. Um, uh, to Brexit, to we've got um, you know uh, possibly a, a far right um, coalition government about to be put in place in Italy. Um, well, yeah, so, who knows what's uh, happening there? Yeah, the more far-sighted members of the ruling establishment, uh, the political establishment, economic establishment, realise that things can't go on as they are. Mm-hmm. And, and Jim Bolger, I think he's one of the more astute um, uh, public intellectuals now in New Zealand, coming traditionally from the right, but who realises that, um, yeah, things can't go on as they are. Well, we dangers. Can't, we can't go on any longer either. We've run out of time. Uh, thank you both for coming in this morning. Always a pleasure. Thank Cheers. you. All right.